Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That the mountains would shake before you. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, God. That the mountains would shake before you. This is the first line of today's Old Testament reading for the first Sunday in Advent. The Sunday that embraces the idea of hope. And this is from chapter 64 of Isaiah. It's the high point of an extended communal lament that begins in the previous chapter. It's a cry of pain from the people composed sometime after the Babylonian conquest, but before the rebuilding of their temple. And it is a cry of desperation. People desperate for God's presence. And it reflects their disorientation in the wake of a devastating exile amid the horrors of this reality. Israel's response is decidedly theological. Presbyterian theologian William P. Brown describes it as, quote, a lament to God punctuated by plaintive questions regarding where God is in the face of such calamity and why. And while we ourselves may not be in the midst of such calamity today, we know that today in this very moment, there are those who are. And as we watch so much horrific suffering taking place in real time across the world, we ask similar questions. Where is God and why God? And while we, each watching today from our homes, from the safety of our homes or our watch parties, we have certain protections and privileges that prevent us from such extreme horrific suffering. We still experience suffering. We still experience hardship and we still experience stress and and mental health struggles and financial difficulties and realities that threaten to keep us from hope. And so we wonder, where is God too? And we ask, why God too? And on a day like today where we're meant to embrace hope as an Advent theme, we should be oddly comforted by these realities and the realities written in our sacred text, even. And and what I mean by that is not that we should be glad for suffering. What I mean to say is that we are not crazy or wrong or bad at faith for struggling to know, find, or feel hope amid so much suffering. Perhaps all our doubt and all our cynicism and frustration and all our questions, even about God, especially about God, means we are right where we should be 
means we are at the proper entry point into this journey of finding and embracing and cultivating hope. Maybe this is what it means to practice the sacred waiting that the Advent season requires of us. Maybe like Jacob, waiting looks like not going a damn place until we've wrenched a blessing. And the blessing today is hope. And so I'm a big believer, if you can't tell, in Advent. Every year, I just want to use my sermon time to sell people on Advent. It's my favorite time of year, not to be confused with Christmas Eve or Christmas or Christmas season, is Advent. Participating in the ritual of coming together every Sunday evening with my family and lighting one of the Advent candles together provided a sense of grounding and love and honestly was very likely the most spiritually formative experience in my childhood, along with Lent. Funny enough, another penitential season. We don't celebrate Advent, we observe it. And so that moment of coming together each Sunday and acknowledging the season for what it is has so much power, in my opinion. But it's also the paradox of this particular season of being penitential, being mindful, being slow and quiet is amid the hustle and bustle of our consumer-driven, production-driven, hamster-wheel-driven society. When we think about how important grounding is after any overstimulation or having a place of grounding, groundedness during stimulation, that's what Advent is. It's this grounding moment amid the holiday season, and it's such an important touch point and tether to the deeper truths of life and the things that drive us and sustain us when it really comes down to it. But the tradition and significance of Advent is so much more than what it does for us. Because <laughs> that's kind of consumer-minded when we just stop there, right? It connects us, first of all, to the great cloud of witnesses, which makes it seem like no accident that All Saints Day was just prior to the Advent season. It reminds us of our connection to people of faith and the power of that collective connection to cultivate the things of hope and peace and joy and love. Because if I'm honest, these words don't hold very much power or meaning for myself or a lot of people anymore, mainly because they're just overused, right? They're plastered all over signs and dish towels. They're used as unwanted platitudes when we need them the least. And they just feel sort of light and easy. But actually, these words, hope, peace, joy, love, these words are actually spiritual resources that are pretty difficult to cultivate. They're, they're pretty words, but they actually have the grittiest, hardest work ahead of us when we want to try and cultivate them, right? Because where is hope 
in these times? Where's peace in these times? Where's joy? Where is love? So the path of Advent is not for the faint of heart or the merry and bright. This is the path for the lamenters. This is the path for the confronters. And this is the path for the disruptors. You know, I think about our series, Waiting on the World to Change. And it sounds like a call to passivity, (laughs) a throwing up of our hands. Well, there's nothing we can do. But actually, what our series is representing is not a call to passivity, but to prioritizing the moments of divine presence and clarity and guidance via spiritual nourishment and practice. Prioritizing these moments when they're made available, which first means we must be actively paying attention. And the thing is, is, Advent is happening. The collective energy of so many people, of the great cloud of witnesses all over the world is happening with or without us. We don't have to create it. And in this way, it's low-hanging fruit. So why not jump into this flow that is already happening? It's powerful. And so waiting for the world to change is about jumping into the flow and prioritizing that practice of waiting that Advent calls us to. And my friends, this never gets old. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is that people in recent years have jumped on this Advent bandwagon until they get bored of it. But this ancient tradition never gets old. Why? Because we never seem to need it less and we never seem to lack the need to ask, why are we still waiting? Where are you, God, amid this waiting on the world to change? What are we waiting for? Heaven on earth? So then... What are we waiting for? (laughs) Change it. Change the world. Create heaven on earth. I think about Jonathan's sermon last week, a great foundational sermon for engaging the Old Testament in general, but reading the words from Isaiah in the context of what the people were going through makes it so clear that they were just trying to make sense of their circumstances, their experiences, and they were desperate to sense God amidst it all. They were waiting for someone to come and save them. They were waiting for a new reality. They were waiting for the world to change. And it was their spiritual posture that developed amid this waiting. It was their spiritual posture that sustained them amid this waiting. And so, It brings me to our reading from 1 Corinthians, which the video played prior, so I won't share that reading now. But I believe that the way we are sustained through our heaven on earth, active resurrection, liberation work, 
the way that we are sustained through the hard work of confronting injustice and being disruptive peacemakers in this world, the way that we cultivate hope, peace, joy, and love is through our spiritual resources. And today's text from 1 Corinthians reminds us that we are not lacking in any spiritual gift. We may feel hopeless, helpless, and stumped by the world, but the truth is that we have every spiritual resource, and there is no barrier to those resources when we prioritize cultivating them. And why not do it in this beautiful season, this mindful season that has been carved out for us again and again, year after year. These gifts can become our fuel for change. May it be so. And may it begin with us. What are we waiting for? The world to change. So what are we waiting for? Change it.